are listening to Sports and More with Chris and Tom. Welcome back, it's the guys with the faces for radio and the voices for a silent movie. This is Sports and More with Chris and Tom. I am Chris. And I am Tom. And we almost didn't make it here tonight, folks. It was rough going. Had to restart my computer. Got the spinning wheel of death. Was going to have to just, you know, dig a hole in the backyard and bury the thing. (laughs) So happy that we did not make it there just yet. It is on life support, but we're making it through. Oh, yeah, and I had to close out an installer app before Tom got on the call because it was eating up 20 to 25% of my CPU usage, which meant Same. that this thing would have been dead and I would have been fading in and out. We had more problems like we had last time we recorded, but we had those solved for now, so let's get this going quickly so we can get the episode done before our computers explode on us. What you say Take about away. that? Hey, All right. I'm happy with that. All right, so NFL regular season updates. NFC North, you have that evil green and yellow team that hails from Green Bay, Wisconsin at 9-3 with a three-game lead over the Vikings with four games to go. They're probably going to win the division. Let's just call it what it is. NFC South, the Saints have a three-game lead over, over the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Saints will probably lock up that division by either this week or next week. We will find out if the Bucks lose the Vikings. I hope they do, just for the sake of the picks. But so. enough about that. <laughs> The for NFC East, the Giants and the football team are tied at five and seven. Yes, there are two teams that are inching closer to five hundred. We may have a division winner in the NFC East that finishes above five hundred, making it not the worst division of, of all time, but dang near close. And the Definitely NFC, the worst this year. Oh yeah, and in the NFC West, the Rams take a half game lead over the Seahawks because they absolutely rampage all over the the Patriots last night. It was I still. I still give that dad joke a six of ten. Did you see my comment on Facebook? I, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it was not the best I could come up with. You, you've had better. You've I've had, had better. better. It's the best I could think of. Because they were stampeded, but that would that would have been yeah. much better. It worked, though. Yeah, it worked. It got the point across. And in the AFC North, the Steelers have a two-game lead over the Browns. As I said, the Browns are in second place. The Steelers need. To just win two more games, they clinch the division and call it a day. Titans and Colts are tied outside the AFC South. Apparently, the Titans hold a tiebreaker. I don't know how, but that's how it works. According to NFL.com, don't ask me how. In the AFC East, the surprise of the century, the Bills hold a one-game lead over the Miami Dolphins. Yes, it is Miami Dolphins in second place, although they're about to face the leading team in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs. This Sunday, and we'll probably be down a game or two if the Bills win against the Steelers. Chiefs are probably going to run away at this point as the one seed in the AFC because they're that much better than everyone else. Even though the Broncos owners beat them and the Broncos were running out there with a hamster, a toaster, and whatever else they could find on the field because they're just injury riddled and what else. And so the Chiefs play up to the competition and down to the competition. So yeah. let's come around. The Chiefs are going to smoke everyone by about 30 points. But right now they're just they're waiting for some competition. But those are our standings for right now, and hopefully we see some changes. Notably, the Bears losing so that we can get a better quarterback. Because at this point, I don't want them making the playoffs. It's not worth it. Yeah, they've they've pretty much screwed themselves, and uh, it's it's not going to be a pretty end of the season. I just kind of want to get it over with. But speaking of. Being <laughs> Let's move on into our next topic. You didn't know that I was going to do that no, one. Epic transition. Uh, 
that, that, that's what I'm here for is epic transition. So MLB umpire, uh, first of all, thank you for doing the, the standings update. Update, And uh, I'll, uh, so next topic is going to be MLB umpire Brian Onora. Um, and we will provide the information on this uh, article uh, in a post. MLB umpire Brian Onora and 13 other men were arrested as part of a sting operation in Ohio this past weekend um, regarding soliciting services from ladies of the evening over the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite a story. It's called a John sing, as they call it in the in police term. John's being a term for uh, men who hire ladies of the evening. For those of you who mm -hmm. don't watch cop shows ever in your lives, you few people live under rocks. But the authorities uh, pose as these ladies of the evening and the online ad that Tom talked about. And the uh, the Ohio Attorney General David Yost and the Liberty Township Police Chief Toby Malera were the heads of this of uh, this uh, sting. And Yost, the Attorney General, said in a statement, the John stings deter those seeking to purchase um, um uh, how I put this delicate coitus, yes, coitus, uh, reducing the demand for um, human trafficking, which is horrible that this still happens in in the world and serves as a reminder that these crimes are more prevalent and close to home than you may think which yeah it's ohio gosh darn it That's i mean mid midwest it, it's definitely happening in other areas um we'll, we'll get to our opinions as we get closer to the, the end of this discussion as we get further into it but yeah it's uh, things like this are um how we combat that so um the Onora and the other 13 men, they were, um, as a part of this, and uh, rightfully so, charged with soliciting um, a, a third-degree misdemeanor um, and possessing criminal tools, which is was very vague, um, which is the first-degree misdemeanor. Criminal tools could um, mean anything, uh, truly, but charges are punishable by a fine or limited jail time uh, Onora pled guilt, not guilty and was released on a $5,000 bond. His next court date is scheduled for March 3rd, so quite some time, but getting close to the season. There's no way he's umpiring a game this season. I don't see this happening. I mean, they, this, I, is, I, this is the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's worked for the MLB for over 20 years, and he's worked three All Star games, which are huge assignments, usually as a reward for being a good umpire. Uh, worked yeah. in two, the 2008 ALCS in the 2012 World Series. So at one point, he was one of the cream of the cram, the, the top umpires in MLB. And now he's in the, the cram, the other cram of a sting operation, which is the complete opposite end of the spectrum in, in this case. Don't you mean the crime de la crime? The crime de la crime. Oh, sorry, that was my, that was a, my pun of the that, evening. Yeah, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, this um, is. Yeah, this is a scary thing to think about. That it's that problem that an MLB umpire is doing this. Like you should know better, you dumbass. Well, I mean, everyone should know better. Let's everyone, be everyone, that, everyone that, should. That, everyone that, should know better. But there are some terrible people out there, and I'm I'm not going to judge a man by one decision. But it certainly doesn't paint him in a good light, and um, I don't like that he put himself in this situation. Because it doesn't look good for him, doesn't look good for umpires, doesn't look good for the MLB. And personally, I know that I I, we, I mentioned this briefly as I was going through when you're we talking about how his next court date is March 3rd, which is getting close to spring training and such. There, there is no way 
that he's going to umpire another game this year. I don't think the MLB would be in the wrong to ban him from the league. Because something like this, this is the kind of stuff that you don't want in headlights associated with your league at all. And so if this guy was doing this kind of stuff, this is probably not his first time doing it. So if this is the kind of thing that he was doing before, it's the type of thing that he'll go back to doing or he'll find something else to do instead. So I, I think this is the kind of guy that you don't want back in the league at all because he's not going to – he's going to be more of a distraction, and distractions for umpires create um, bad calls, bad games, and um, disputed outcomes. And that's not something that the MLB wants. That's not something the teams and players want. So I think it's in their best interest to fire him, ban him from ever umpiring an MLB game again. Oh, absolutely. I haven't found – while you were talking, I was trying to find something on my phone about Rob Manfred commenting on this. I haven't found anything. So either Rob Manfred is as clueless as we believe he is or he was doing as much crack as it appeared that Adam Gase did before he got hired by the Jets. If everyone remembers, his eyes were bulged out of his skull, of his skull and looked like he had done copious amounts of, of, of the white powder before, he got, before the uh, media day. Is alleged. It's just a joke. I'm joking, people. But Rob Manfred's are clearly not awake at the wheel. Make and speaking about this, and I agree with Tom that this is bad for John Onora. Uh, Brian Onora looks like he just did. He I I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if he was thinking. It, it, it's ridiculous. And yes, he's only it was connected with soliciting a late in the evening. This is not connected to sex trafficking. As far as we know, it's just that the two seem to be very, very related according to sources, which makes me think that Criminal Minds and all those other TV shows that highlight this stuff are not that far off the beaten path about how crazy this world is and how we gotta we have to be vigilant. I mean, the inspiration for those cop shows and stuff has to come from somewhere, and it's things like this. I mean, you got a we'll we'll call him high profile, but I mean, really middle of the road profile, but big enough that he can make a headline. Uh, target, if you will, and who takes the bait, and it, it's it's the kind of thing that you you never expect to see, but when you see it, it's still shocking. Um, even though you see this type of stuff, um, you know, dramatized on TV all the time, it's like you know you see it actually happen to someone who is connected to a sport that you love, the sport you've watched, and you've probably watched him call games, dozens of them, oh, and not even realized it. So this is a guy that you've actually watched do his work, and now he's out doing the kinds of things that you thought were disgusting on TV. And so you know, I, I completely agree with you. This is and hats off to the um, Ohio. Uh, Attorney General for for organizing this thing, and um, the Liberty Township Police Chief uh, Toby Malero, and um, really, uh, what was this connected with uh, Youngstown, Ohio, as well? Um, any anyone involved who um, was a part of this successful sting, hats off to them. All the credit in the world, and I hope that they get more men like this and women because it's not um, gender specific. So I. This is the kind of thing that can't happen in our society. So I hope that one day we don't have to have things like this, but I hope that until that time that they continue to be successful and we get these type of people off the streets. I agree 100%. And 
going back to where you said this looks bad for umpires in general, do you know how many jokes are uh, there are bad jokes about umpires they're going to hear from now on about their judgment? Like, well, Nora was went got arrested for soliciting a late in the evening. What that explains why these umpires make bad calls during the games all the time. You're going to hear something like that now because this happened. So it looks bad on him. Looks bad on the entire industry. And not that that matters. That the stopping the crimes comes first. But it's just like goodness gracious, great balls of fire, man. Use your yeah. brain for two seconds. I mean, it, <laughs> rub two brain cells together, and you can figure out that this is bad. Bad idea. Yeah, apparently they didn't have the two brain cells rubbed together. But enough of that depressing, depressing topic. We're going to get into something that you may see us get heated with each other. We may disagree on that subject. We may get a little uh, feisty, which is great because we had to get ready for another show we're recording tomorrow that you guys are just going to love. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Tom, let's talk about the currency of the college football playoffs and – the rankings right now, I listed out like the top seven just to give some people some heads up. We got with Alabama number one. Any disagreements there? <laughs> uh, for number one, yes, but I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I, I personally, because of number two, but we're, we'll, yeah. we'll move on. Notre Dame is number two. Not really much. It's really Notre Dame's played 10 games. Alabama's played nine games. Notre Dame's being Clemson, who's number three. Notre Dame should probably be number one, but Alabama is Alabama. Thus, Alabama's number one because that's how this works. In general, the SEC is held in higher regard than the ACC, aside from Clemson outside of this year where Notre Dame is now part of the ACC. Um, So, I mean, in general, I guess I'd have to agree, even though Alabama has had the easier side, they they have had more notable games than Notre Dame has. Notre Dame has pretty much been Clemson, and at a time, North Carolina, North Carolina was um, a top-tier team, uh, at least in the top uh, 20. I honestly can't remember what their rank is at this time, but uh, Alabama has taken down Georgia, Texas A&M, and uh, no, they haven't played Florida, correct? No, Florida but, played in the SEC title um, game. Next Ole week. Miss. Ole Miss was one that actually gave them a run for their money. They were the only team to score more than 24 points on Alabama this season. Um, other than that, Bama has averaged 49 points a game. With yeah. their high being 63, 64, yeah. somewhere there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I believe that was one of those was even against Ole Miss. I think that was against Ole Miss. Well, they had dropped 63 60. to 38, something yeah, it was like something that. Something like that. It was a ridiculous game. It was like the, what, like the first thing game of the season. It was something like that. Uh, yeah, one of the first few. So, I mean, it was early on. But really, since since that point, like they played A&M and Ole Miss pretty early on. And Georgia, too. After that, it's been smooth sailing. Yeah. So, But I still can't dispute Alabama because, in general, the SEC is a stronger conference than the ACC as a whole. Correct. Notre Dame has beaten up. Not shooting. Beaten, beaten the ACC. Yep. Uh, there have been some really close games that are not beat-ups. I, uh, I'll admit that. Um, but at 10-0, and 0, I do think, think that they're deserving of number two, at least. Absolutely. So, I'm putting, putting aside my fandom, I, I will give Alabama the credit where it's due because of their notable games. Notre Dame does deserve number two because they're undefeated and 10-0. and 0, they've, They're the only team in, uh, the, in the top uh, five that has 10-0. and 0. Right. Really, the only other 10 and 0 that we're looking at is Coastal Carolina. But Notre Dame and Clemson being a part of the ACC, 
got started earlier are the only two game two teams in the top four that have played 10 games right and right behind Clemson is one we're going to discuss hotly. So we're going to give is number four, Ohio State is five. We know we'll get into that in a little bit. We had to uh-huh. sit on that one. We're both, we got to let that stir a little bit. And number five is six A&M at seven and one. They probably have no chance of making the ACFP because they don't play in the SEC title game. Thus, right. they're, they're screwed. And number six is Florida at eight and one. I really want to see Florida beat Alabama just because that's Kyle Trask. That's one of the guys I'm looking at for the Bears to draft. I want to see what he does. Uh, I, I I don't think they will, but Florida-Alabama should be a good game. If Florida beats Alabama, they make the playoff. Yeah, Clemson, Florida and makes Ohio it. Ohio State drops out. Yep, and Alabama probably drop to like yeah, probably four. No, yeah, be, that's an odd one. Well, because, yeah, they probably got to three. And if Clemson beats Notre Dame, then Notre Dame probably sees that two Clemson jumps to one. And then you're stuck with, like, Clemson, Notre Dame, Bama, and Florida, which is going to tick off everyone else in the known universe. But it's probably the right decision. Yeah, but that's a big if for Florida. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you move on to the other ones. But, yeah, I just had to say that. that um, I think a, a win against Alabama is a banner win. Gets them in, a loss. Um you know, it's it, it's a big ask, so it, it's not uh, un, it's not it will not be unheard of if they they lose. They're yep. a good team, but I don't think they lost to A and M, who lost to Bama. So. Yeah, so not a good sign. Uh, number seven is Iowa State, the Big Twelve member at eight and two. They are not making the CFP. There is no mm-hmm. chance in heck they make it. They're out. And then Tom mentioned one of our notable teams, number thirteen, Coastal Carolina, ten and Another one that's notable is number eight, Cincinnati, who is eight and zero. I mean, talk about can't nobody respect you. Can't get no respect. I mean, those <laughs> no respect. No grapes, no nuts. No grapes, um, <laughs> so I, I don't think Coastal Carolina should be this low. I should be. I think they should be above Iowa State. Correct. Um, I mean, they beat BYU. They beat BYU. Quick sidebar about that. I'm going to uh, what the the Pat McAfee. Um, clip that you sent me earlier, all the credit in the world to BYU two days before their intended game, they find out they can't play. They make a a schedule adjustment to play coastal Carolina. So credit to both of those teams, but for BYU to head all the way from Utah to Myrtle beach on two days notice and play, um, that was a good game, but uh, you know, and for coastal Carolina to take on the game, they understand the importance of getting games on the schedule. So I, I like that they're actually willing to play instead of a lot of teams who, you know, I'm not going to make claims that teams are trying to get out of their games, but there are some teams that are just trying to get their terrible seasons over with. So their, their COVID situations, they might be extrapolating a little bit more so than if they were in the hunt for the playoff. Uh, Michigan. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how rampant COVID is. It could be terrible there, and I don't want to – um, downgrade the situation that all the teams are in, but to cancel games against, uh, was it Wisconsin this past weekend? Or uh, I know that Wisconsin did have a, a game canceled recently because of that, but for, for teams to cancel because of maybe one or two COVID uh, tests and, and maybe um, dragging out what they, <laughs> so they don't have to play and saying maybe they're too COVID uh, cases were 20 tests because they had players test so much, but I don't know how that's get, all getting recorded, but I do think that Coastal Carolina's effort to get more games on the schedule along with BYU um, should be considered mm-hmm. 
in um, you know deciding who plays for certain bowls. It may they may not make the um, the playoff. I don't think they will. There's like a less than one percent chance. Yeah. But um, I do think when you're talking about big name bowls, Coastal Carolina should get a a bid because they tried to get games on the schedule. They did, and they're still ten and zero. This is uh, you know UC was it UCF a few years ago? UCF. Um, that was twelve and zero, thirteen and zero. You know, this is a team that you should not snub in a year like this. They're putting forth the effort. Oh yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous. I don't even know there's going to be any big bowl games besides the the two the, the CFP. I haven't heard anything about that. And it might be a few, but I don't know if there's going to be any more because they're worried about the COVID situation. They might just do the CFP and say the heck with everything else. It's called a day and get out of this while we're still ahead. I have my own thoughts about what to do with bowl games, but I don't think people will. I don't think uh, networks will get on board with it. Um, no, make no, bowl no. games pay per view. Hey, they that, that's how you make money. Instead yeah, of selling yeah. tickets, you're you're selling streams. You're selling um, subscriptions through providers and we saw disney do that with the mulan release where it was like what thirty dollars to um uh buy it or rent it when it first came out so it's the same concept pay a subscription fee now instead of buying a 150 fifty dollar ticket that's cheap so it is a solution it is a solution but i don't think mulan made that much made enough money that way i think it might backfire on disney in the long run but, You're sure, but it was their only option. Right. But with that being said, we have the number four team, Ohio State, at 5 You may have noticed the other teams have played at least, I think, eight games at minimum. And yet you have Ohio State at number four, and they've played absolutely nobody. How in the blue moon and uh, Red Sea and and Snowcat Mountains is Ohio State number four? Purple people eater. Um, I mean, goodness I, I, this is This is the worst – decision for the CFP committee, the, the playoff committee to even put them in the top four right now, keep them out of it. So, it, I mean, they were up until this point, up until this week, like within the last couple of days, they weren't even eligible for the Big Ten championship. And now the Big Ten is thinking about making changes so that they don't have to meet the, the six-game minimum to be eligible for the, the Big Ten championship, which in a year like this, sure, whatever, allow it, but I still think it's um, – you know, they, they made this rule when they um, got bullied into having a season, which, you know, was their own boneheaded mistake for not um, starting earlier because everyone else except for the, you know, Pac-12, which is a whole different thing, um, was having a season. And I get that you're punishing Ohio State for a decision that was out of their hands. But the conference made the decision to say six games was enough to be eligible. They were not considering the fact that you might have weeks that you have to cancel games due to COVID. So having a six or eight game season and only playing five games now, Ohio State's getting screwed for the Big Ten championship. And any other year uh, would make them ineligible for the playoff because they didn't play in the big their conference championship. Correct. Correct. Well, so his. Yes and no. I think Jordan, yes and no. I I know that there have been teams before. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hazy situation sometimes. Right, but now to change the the rule last minute is doing it for Ohio State, and not anyone else. And, and I think that that's just it's it's the most millennial thing to do. 
Yeah. Because it's a participation trophy at this point. It's like, okay, you didn't get your six games in. Whoever's fault it was, whatever protocols weren't followed to have their, their sixth game uh, not fit in. Maybe maybe if they weren't at fault, that you know, that makes them eligible and shouldn't have had to forfeit that game. You're not forfeit, but you know, give up the opportunity for that game. Um, then that's different. But to say to make the rule change just because they're five and zero, and they want to represent the Big Ten in the playoff, you know that it's it's wishy washy, um, and and I don't think that it's the right move because it makes them look weak, impressionable, malleable. Um, you know, I, I it's soft as right to the Playboy Mansion, as they said. That's thank show. you. <laughs> Had to go there. That's one of my favorite lines from that semi show. You did it. You went there. That's my duty. And yes, duty Red. does need food to go there with that semi show lines and puns and references. I love that show. I forgot to mark down the ones from Wednesday. Hold up here. Hold up. That was two from for two Wednesday. Two from Wednesday, one tonight. Okay. And so, well, keeping track at home, let us know how many we're at. So, well, so, so while I'm interjecting here, I think Ohio State shouldn't be even in the top 10. You've played five games and you've played nobody. You've played dog turd at this point in the Big Ten. I mean, Coastal Carolina has played 10, ga- 10, 10 games. That's double Ohio State. And yes, they're in those, I believe, Sun Belt. The Sun Belt and the Big Ten, the difference is about, oh, about 50 tons of crud. But Coastal Carolina is 10 and 0. They have played everyone. Being everyone and beat BYU when they had two days to prepare for that game, which shows that they have the cojones to to beat anyone on any given day, which is fantastic. And Cincinnati's eight and zero. They've played everyone on in the, I believe it's the American Conference is what it's yes. called now. Yeah. yeah, and beating them all. I mean, I think Army at one point was ranked in the top, what top fifteen at one point, something like that. Yeah, them and, and BYU at one point before and, the Coastal Carolina and, and spanked everyone. And I mean, yeah. Cincinnati has not had a close game at all. They've looked superior to everyone else in their conference. I think Cincinnati should have a shot at it. And I, I think Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina should be higher in this list. I think they should at least be five and six. Let's just be realistic and say they're on beans. This is the chance to put a non-Power 5 team in the CFP. Well, really Power 4, big, the Pac-12 doesn't count. They get whipped on by everybody, so they're not really a Power 5. And, but- and they – I mean, they've basically made themselves ineligible because of all the every, – everything out west has gotten shut down again. They, pretty much the entire state of California is on lockdown again. Um, and so any any Pac-12 teams in California, done. Um, Oregon was the only notable team to, be, to begin with, really. Yeah. Um, maybe USC if they if they put everything together. But how can you base that off of three games? Yeah, they're not – I think Oregon was, what, 3-0, and and that's – no. You you can't give them that much leeway. Just like in this situation, Ohio State is five and zero, and yes, they've won every every game they've played. That's what five and zero means. Yeah. But you got a Notre Dame ten and zero, and Alabama nine and zero, Cincinnati eight and zero, and Coastal Carolina ten and zero. You've got four unbeaten teams that have played nearly double in almost every case, uh, or double in uh, the number of games that Ohio State has. And yes, that is punishing a team for the decision of their conference. But in the same regard, the conference has to do what they can to get teams into the playoff because the conferences benefit from their teams playing all games. So I think they should be punished. 
because the, the conference should not benefit from their decision to start the season late, even though other divisions, other conferences were starting earlier in the season. They had every opportunity to get going, and they chose not to do it. And we went over this at the beginning of the season. I don't think any Big Ten team, and this is, Ohio State is the only one that really would have a shot, I don't think any Big Ten team should have the chance to be in the, the playoff this year if we're sticking with a 14 playoff. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the problem is that even before the season started, I, I looked at Ohio State's character and I said, oh boy, they're playing nobodies. They, they had, had the weak side. They, they had not, They were playing no one. They were playing the weak side. Like, they Even the 6 no, you can argue them not in the conference, in, in it, because some team might go 10-0 in their conference and say, well, they play the teams on the schedule. They won four more games. They should probably make it. But I think I, I think an eight and one Florida is better than a five or six and Ohio State because their only loss is Alabama right. and Texas A&M too. So yeah, they played two big games, lost both of them, but uh, it's, it's going to be tight. And I think that the Pat Maggie show did bring up a good solution. This is where Tom and I may get a little bit in, in disagreement. They brought up a sixteen seed playoff because of the shortened season, because we have Cincinnati not making a name, because Coastal Carolina is not making a name due to. Uh, human error, as I would call it, in judgment by the committee because they're making some bogus decisions, that this would be the solution to just do it for a year and just let it all right out. Everything is, else has been different. Why not make this different just for a year and see what happens? The reason I say no to that is, so at first, I thought, you know, maybe the 16-team playoff encourages uh, in the future to just allow too much leeway and then it's basically like you know anybody and their mother can get in the tournament you're not the tournament i mean it might as well be but it's uh in, into the playoff yeah. my, my concern is they should have started they should have made this decision weeks ago all right and said cancel conference championships oh no no no, that, no 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 hold on listen to me listen we to me need those cancel, tournaments. Can, cancel the uh the the conference championships and have that be week one because plant, having a 16 team, you're going to need four weeks of games, right? Three. No, round, yeah, round, yeah, round yeah, one, four. you have 16. Yeah, uh, yeah, round yeah, two, four. you have eight. Round three, you have yeah, four. four yeah. And then the championship is four. So you also have a week in between the, the final four and the championship. Let's push the final four back. For tradition. But you're pushing back into Super Bowl time if we actually get to have one. And uh, that's playoffs there too. So primetime TV is already taking up space. Yeah. That's my that's my that's my point. Is like you, you have to figure this out earlier in the season yeah. for logistical reasons because now you can take those primetime spots that were going to be conference mm -hmm. games and use that for uh, playoff bowl games. But because they, now those actually can mean something later on in the season. You might have a conference championship for the American Conference, and it's not going to do a damn thing for Cincinnati. Excuse me. Yeah. It's not because they're not going to make it in because they have they, there's no shot at them making things. They're not, they're going to say if Ohio State be, beats the snob Northwestern, which they probably will. No offense, to Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. I hope you become the Bears' next head coach if you're yes, up for the I job. Agree. But uh, there's a difference between Northwestern and Ohio State in any year. Even if Ohio State's having a down year, there's usually a massive difference then too. <laughs> yeah, you're not but, wrong. But I mean, 16 teams would be. I think would be one. Even if you just do eight, just do eight. Just go to eight, and th just extend it out. That you still have that week because there's a week off between the final four and conference title games. That way, you just throw in the eight games, the ne the next round right afterwards, and say, "All right, 
Elite Eight, and they got to figure out what they're going to – I they had to make a decision like now, like now, now, like now, 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 and do it fast because, gosh darn it, we needed to do something about, about Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina not getting – I know participation awards, I don't like it either, but you have unbeatens who are not going to get in the CFP because the CFP committee favors conferences and gives no cruds about anyone else and says they don't belong here, even though since they might play Texas A&M in a bowl game and beat them. And it was like, um, so they don't matter. I mean, since they just beat Texas A&M, I mean, we've seen that before. Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl in yeah. one of the epic games of all time. And Boise State didn't make it to the BCS Hell game because they decided that, oh, who was it that year? Oh, gosh. I looked that up. Oh, was, what, what, what team? Uh, was this 2012? No, 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 no. no. no, no. 2008. 2008 is like the old, the old one. I can't even remember. It's probably LSU. It's probably LSU. Florida, wasn't it? What? Was it Florida? I mean, Florida and someone else who Florida just beat the brakes off of. Hold on. Give me one second. I'm yeah. looking back here. Yeah, but my, um, or like UCF uh, a couple of years ago when they went 13-0 and got jobbed out of making the CFP playoffs because they decided that a two lo- a one-loss uh, – Alabama should be in ahead of them or some, something like that. And it's like, um, they beat everyone they face. Why aren't they getting put in this thing? Isn't 13 0 better than 11 and 1? That's why I thought, but yeah. Who are, who uh, are judge? Real quick, you were right. It's LSU and it was Ohio State. Oh, yeah. And LSU beat the brakes uh, off them. Uh, Jim Trestle and yep. Les Miles. Yeah. Yeah. LSU beat them. Yes. Jamarcus Russell was a quarterback. Yes. I remember now. Yes. That's it. That was the, yep. That's yeah, right. so yeah, as you beat them down, it was, wasn't even close. And Boise State, and I was like, oh, how's Boise little, little Boise State going to beat Oklahoma? And Boise State went toe for toe, punch for punch, and won with the greatest play of all time, the Statue of Liberty, which was fantastic to watch. But that this is why right there, that's that's proof that those I, I don't want to call them lesser teams, but the the less popular teams, mm-hmm. they they can do big things, and so. That, before going into this conversation, I kind of, or before going into this afternoon, I'll say, because your um, clip from Pat McAfee really, it, it kind of made more sense as I listened to the, the whole thing. Um, and, and if you guys want the link to that, comment below. Um, we can um, add that in or let you know, uh, message it to you. I think in a year like this, you're right. It makes sense because you have teams like Coastal Carolina who are getting snubbed down to 13. Who wouldn't even make an 18-team playoff? So I think 16 teams for this year makes sense. Again, I go back to logistics because everything is set. You get into the postseason with um, the NFL, and I, I know that a lot of that's on Sunday. But you know, bowl games are not just played on Saturdays. So I, I think that one thing to consider is this decision should have been made a while ago. That's my concern is the logistical side of it. It makes sense to do 16 teams because then you're getting those Coastal Carolinas that might get past, um, you know, in Iowa State. Let's let's say, you know, Iowa State would make that 16 team playoff at eight and two. Coastal Carolina, let's let's just say that that's a matchup. Coastal Carolina is a dang good team this year. They beat Ohio uh, or Iowa State, and then they go on and they get to play, you know, a Texas A&M, a Clemson, someone like that, and and they're making a name for themselves because they've made it through the playoff. Right. They wouldn't have that opportunity, and they will not ever because they're not in a Power Five. Yep. 
the college football playoff is basically the best four teams out of the power five. The rest of college football doesn't matter. This is a year to prove that that's not the case, that other football teams, other conferences have quality football and can make a difference in the NCAA. This is a huge recruiting platform for them, too. At 10-0 right now, they're making a name for themselves at 13 because any other year, Coastal Carolina wouldn't even be in the top 25. Right, correct. Even at 10-0, and, and it's just the it, it's just because they're the Sun Belt, and that's a, a horrible thing, but it's just the fact of life. This is huge for them this year because next year they can say, hey, we were number 13. We were being considered for a playoff, but nobody wanted to put us in because we weren't power five. We can get you an undefeated season. People are going to – um, value that in the draft. Yep. But you put them in the playoff this year, they can actually say, we made it to the playoff. Maybe they beat someone. We made it to the second round of the playoff. Yep. You know how much more recruitment they can do with that? That's huge for that team and that conference. And it's going to provide opportunities like that to other teams uh, throughout the, the playoffs. I mean, teams like Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, they can recruit no problem by name alone. Yeah. Iowa State, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, this is their chance to get out there and get some four or five-star recruits. Oh, yeah. Maybe not five-star recruits to Coastal Carolina, but maybe they sneak a four-star because he saw that they made the playoff. And he wants this to start is, right away instead of sit a year behind right. five-stars. Bingo. It's like that D2, um, I think it was a safety last year that got drafted fairly early, um, early rounds at, at a Division two. He was starting. Yeah. He played a lot of football. And that was in the NFL. This right. is a chance, you know, guys are going to go to Coastal Carolina and start for four years. Where if he went to Alabama, he might play six games his senior year. Right. So, you know, this is a chance to put Coastal Carolina on the map, Cincinnati back on the map, and really show that they, these guys can play football. Absolutely. And with that, so let's assume there's only going to be four teams in the playoffs because let's be honest, the NCAA and CFP aren't known for making – uh, smart decisions or the right decisions, who do we think is going to make it? I think we're going to have Alabama 1, Clemson 2, no offense, I think Clemson will win the, the ACC title game, and Notre Dame 9 to 3. And then number 4, I'm going to come off the top row with Ronda, with Randy Macho Man, like Randy Macho Man Savage, with Cincinnati at number 4, and see if he wakes up and says, hang on a second, we done messed up AA around, we had to do this, there's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming. I think they, they might wake up. I doubt it, but I'm, I'm being hopeful. I'm going to be hopeful on this podcast. I'm going to go from four up. All right. Here's my hopeful number four. My hopeful number four is Cincinnati because I think, you know, five spots up from Coastal Carolina, they've got a better shot at that. Right. And I think you're right. If the, the committee wakes up and says, yeah, five games against a weak part of the Big Ten shouldn't qualify them. Right. Qualify Ohio State, excuse me. Um, Cincinnati gets number five. The realistic number four, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I, I know. And, and there's a few situations that I think could determine ranking. Northwestern um, beats Ohio State. <laughs> if that happens, um, I'll eat my know, shoe. Gosh darn it. <laughs> hey, if I got to take a loss and a double doink, you can eat your shoe. Uh, the trick at medium rare. Um, <laughs> So Ohio State is more realistic for possibly three, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, Notre Dame, number three, if they lose three or four, if they lose to Clemson. Personally, I think they should be three, 
because yeah. a nine, a ten and one record should be should hold more merit than a five and zero record. Yeah. Um, and being even with Clemson, that both of their losses would be against each other. Yeah. Um, if Notre Dame wins the uh, ACC championship they game, be they, they should be one. Agreed. Agreed. If Notre Dame loses, they should be three. Clemson should be two. Correct. Um, Alabama's gonna win the um, SEC championship yeah, game, and uh, they're number one. Uh, if Notre Dame, unless Notre Dame wins, then I, I think that eleven and zero should uh, hold more weight. Especially two wins against Clemson. That you beat right. Clemson twice. Uh, if Alabama loses to Florida, Florida's my number four. Alabama drops out. Yes, agreed. Which is the way it should be, but the committee favors Alabama and always will. I agree. I think so. My my top four is really confusing, but basically ideal situation. Um uh, or, or the realistic situation. I'm just going to say Notre Dame loses to, to Clemson. I know that I'm a fan, but I'm a realist too. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Yep. That's I, the I, realistic top four. Yeah, that's the realistic top four. I was hopeful in Cincinnati and say, hey, I, I just, I'm just trying to make as much noise as I can to get Cincinnati in there. But who knows? I mean, what do I know? Because Tom was, was the uh, winner of our picks in week 13. I was the. Um, there's an L word. I can't think of it. It's a, uh, lemon. Um, no, no. Oh, you know this one. Is it the loser? No, that doesn't sound quite about right. But that, I think that's the word. That's but the I, was, I, I was not the winner. I was second place. I was second best of uh, two people. So, Tom, take it away with your teammate victory speech, and I will shut up and let you go from there. All right. Um, and this one, this is a – all right, so – Bear with me, Chris, because uh, I've been working on something for quite a while, just as I've had time to think throughout the the quarantine this these past eight months and or nine months, whatever we're at by this point, um, about what matters to me the most. And I um, started to write those thoughts down. And I, I haven't actually ever said any of these things out loud in the way that I'm going to say them. So it, this is, I'm actually kind of nervous about this because this is kind of just, um, you know, I, I've fixed the grammar and stuff, but it's like my raw thoughts. Um, so please bear with me here as I, I go with this. I think a lot about what matters most in my life. And the answer that I've always given others and myself is God and family. God has given me purpose and has provided me an opportunity to put him at the forefront of my life. He has blessed me with a family, a home, a career, acquaintances, connections, and an immeasurable amount more. Notice that I didn't say friends, and that's because I don't have friends. You see, the most important and impactful blessing that God has provided me is family, and that family comes in different forms. I have my blood immediate relative family with my son, my wife, my parents, brother, in-laws, grandparents, aunts, uncles. That is the family that you cannot choose for the most part. That is the family that you are born into or marry into. And I wouldn't trade any of them for the world. You know, I, I married into my family. I love my in-laws. I love um, everything about how we've connected our families together. And I, I call my in-laws as such, but you know when I'm speaking about them. But the truth is that I don't think of them that way. When I join together 
in marriage with my wife, her family, which is an extension of her, became an extension of me as well. They may not be my blood parents or brothers or sisters, but they are still a part of me that I hold and love dearly. And there's not a thing in the world that I wouldn't do for them, just as I would do for my own mom, dad, and brother. The family that you are born or married into is alongside with a relationship with the Lord foundational in my life. Then there's my other family, and that's the family you choose or sometimes chooses you. The ones that appeared to be friends in childhood, college, and beyond, but became so much more. They're the ones who you call brother when there is no blood relation. These are the type of people that no matter where you go in the world or how long it's been, you can pick up where you left off. In my life, these people have seen me at my highest and lowest points and, and truly understand who I am as a person. I have memories which e with each of these family members that I can recall vividly. It may not be the most defining moment in our relationship, but is the thing that always takes me back to the times that we had together, and I'm always happy to talk about them. It may drive some people crazy when I tell a story over and over again, but know this. If I tell a story over and over again, it's because it was impactful to me. Call it brotherhood, call it a bond, or simply call it friendship, but don't call it insignificant. The family you choose helps you become your true self, supports you through it, and will tell it to you straight when you need correcting. They will lift you up and bring you back down to earth when you need it the most. The family you choose will laugh with you, cry with you, fight with you, hope for you, but most of all, love you. The family I choose, I will live for, fight for, hope for, die for, argue with, cry with, laugh with, hold, help, annoy, protect, pray for, and love, and all the things that I would do for my immediate and relative family, I would do for my chosen. And I have a family that I don't share a last name, a home, or a lineage with, but it doesn't make them family any less. The family I choose helps make me. And that's just something that I, I've put together over the past few months. So thank you. I know that was longer than two minutes, but uh, just something that's been on my my heart and mind lately that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, and I'm happy to share the stories if you want to know them. Oh, that was great, sir. I mean, we all think about that stuff when we go into quarantine, like what's important to us, but we need to focus on life and how we can reprioritize everything. And that was well said, well delivered, and it was wonderful to hear. And I thank you for sharing that with everyone. It helps everyone feel a little bit looser. Like, hey, we're not the only one thinking about this kind of crazy stuff during this crazy time. And that, that takes me back to my my college days when I was the, the basic president and had to give a sermon, give a, a message every week, and <laughs> had to prepare something. And, you know, I was reading from what I felt like was a script, but at the time when I was writing it down, it was just my thoughts. And so that's <laughs> it's it sounded robotic, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I just had to get out what I was thinking at the time. So. Um, thank you all for listening to that. That was great. Now, enough of the sappy stuff. Let's get to the outro, Senor Thompson, and hit it home. Please follow our Facebook page for updates regarding our our show and any updates we may have for you. We will post links to the USA Today article we use for the brand uh, Honora uh, 
stuff and the Pat McAfee clip if you guys want to see it. But he discussed about the top 16 team, the joint 16 team playoff for college football. I know we have Java coming on in a couple of weeks to do our CFP preview show when we discuss the playoffs and about who we think is going to win, what teams are going to do. That's coming up soon. Uh, you also can email us at sports and more with CT. That's capital C, capital T, at gmail.com. If any questions, concerns, or comments, or thanks, you want to give the time for that wonderful, wonderful victory speech he gave. I appreciate you all. You can also go to our anchor page or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other listening platform that I didn't list off that is probably out there uh, to download this episode and any future episodes we create. We've got some good content coming to you. Uh, like Chris alluded to, we've got a, a special one that we're actually recording uh, tomorrow. Today is December 11th. So that's going to come to you a little bit later on. Um, but until then, go ahead and, and listen to our old content because you got to have something to get you to that that point where we get that uh, that special episode coming your way. It's going to blow your minds, but uh, we want you to be prepared for what we're capable of. So go back and listen to the old ones. Oh, hopefully the episode we recorded coming up is going to be on fire. Hopefully we figure out some technology things on my end, and if it does, we will definitely blow your minds a little more capable of on this show. But we will think all of you probably are tens. And tens of people listen to ridiculous ramblings and takes on everything at all, whether it's MLB, CFP, or just our personal feelings. Absolutely. Our next episode's creation date that you will see is to be decided. Of course, we talked about making a, a special one tomorrow, but the next rotation one, rotational one will be coming up before that. Our next weekly NFL picks should be uploaded before the Thursday guy. Thursday night game, excuse me, next week on December 17th. Keep an eye on our Facebook page, as always, for updates regarding the next episode. But until then, watch for ice on the roads, watch for deer, stay safe and healthy. We love you all. Sports and more with Chris and Tom is brought to you by no one. All non-original thoughts and ideas were properly noted during each segment.